Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Hello and welcome to another Outer Hour. 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights is when we go live. If you're watching the show post-live, thank you for pressing the play button. And if you're joining us right now from around South Africa, and indeed we have viewers from around the world who join us from places as far flung as Russia, the United Kingdom, United Arab Emirates, United States, Australia, United Kingdom, you name it. We've got everyone on the show, concerned expats and South African citizens from within our shores who join us on a weekly basis to discuss the issues that affect you, the taxpaying South African, when it comes to tax abuse and maladministration. Now, with that said, I've got to tell you that when I saw the running order, and we've been wanting to get a couple of people on the show for a while now, and when I saw the running order this morning, I went, I actually did a dance, uh, and I haven't danced for joy for a long, long time when I saw a guest list on a show, and I really, really, really am excited to uh, host the show this evening. I'm Tom London, and welcome. Stefani Fick, everyone's favorite advocate and uh, a firm favorite on the show. Whenever Stefani appears, the hearts flow across the Facebook live screen. Joins us this evening, as well as investigative journalists Pauli van Weyck, Sally Evans, and Tabelo Timze. We are not only going to be talking about the issues that face South Africa, as well as the stories that these investigative journalists have dug up over the years, the headlines that they've brought to us and the corruption that they've exposed, but we'll also be celebrating their role as women in journalism and as changemakers in South Africa as we celebrate Women's Month on the Outer Hour. So once again, I'm excited. I hope you are too. And remember that as you watch the show, you can put your comments and questions in the comments section down below this video. I'll put as many comments and questions to our guests as possible. And you play the role of interviewer, really. If you think you've got a crack at Jack question that you'd like to ask Stefani or Paulie or Tabella or Sally, put it on the comments section below the video and we'll try and get as many of them on screen as possible. Shall we say hello to our guests this evening before we do the traditional how's it between uh, viewers and studio? Why not? Let's, uh, she's on screen at the moment so let's say good evening to Paulie van Beek. Hello Paulie. Good evening. Thank you so much for having us. Well, it's not just me who was excited because when I ran off the list of names who are going to appear on the show tonight, people started screaming, Paulie and Sally. So you guys are, are more than uh, journalists. You're, uh, you're stars. And in fact, I was tempted to call this a star-studded show this evening. But thank you, uh, Paulie, for your time as well as uh, Sally Evans. Hello, Sally. How's it going in your part of the world? Hi. It's good. It's good. Um, I'm self-isolating, as I told you just before we got going, because mm. my husband had... COVID and um, I'm now a nurse and also isolating. But otherwise, good, good. Good to hear, and we wish your hubby well as he recuperates from COVID. And uh, to complete the trio of guests this evening, we say good evening to Tabelo Timze. Hello, Tabelo. Nice to have you with us. Hi, good evening. I'm good to be here. And then I can't say hello to our guests without saying hello to a familiar face on Outer Hour, the head of accountability at Outer, Stefani Fick, everybody's favorite advocate. Hello, Stefani. How's it, everybody? I think everyone will agree we're looking forward to this show tonight. So um, um, let's get it going. <coughs> Thanks for, for joining us. 
And now to you on the other side of the camera, as you watch the Outer Hour this evening, we say hello to you. It's traditional at the front of the show to start with a couple of hellos and see where you are and see who's on board. So let's start that. First up tonight is Outer. Uh, head of comms and marketing, headed up by Samantha van Nispen in your comments section tonight, assisted by Ivor Cleary. Remember, Banele Sinatla put the show together. Uh, who else have we got? Oh, we've got a whole bunch of people joining us. Stefani Fick is on board. You can interact with her in the comments section as well as watch her on screen tonight. Claire Feldman says, good evening, team excellence outer. Hello, Claire. Good to have you with us. Anne Mountford has joined us. And Anne says, good evening, outer people. This is a good time for me to remind you or ask you to like and share this video. If you've got the share button in front of you, share it on your Facebook page and get it out to as many of your friends as possible. Uh, Anne says hello. We've got Kara Rack, who's a regular. Kara says, greetings, comrades. The cat is back. We know what that means. Michael von Ickak says, hi, team. Claire Feldman says, looking forward to this. So are we, Claire, and hope you'll stay with us for the full 60 minutes. Andrea Korf says, good evening, all Alterians. Hello, Andrea. Nice to see you there. Uh, Heinz Brunner says, good evening, Alter team and Tom. Hello, Heinz. Good to uh, have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Another familiar name is Dagmar Hurleyman, who says, good evening, team. And Sharon Brin is another familiar face. Why is Julius Malema permitted to get his party to pro? Okay, well, that's a question we might answer a bit later. But you've got the first question in there. Di Gibson says, hello from Hutzbreit. Yeah, cold and Hutzbreit do not go together in the same sentence. Hey, Di, nice to have you with us. Ian Paulson says, good evening, outer team. And Tom, thank you for joining us, Ian. Michael Johns Billsbury out of Kabecha says, hi, outer guys. Jeff P. Scott says, greetings, team. And more will join us as we go along. I'll put those hellos up on screen as we get into the discussion. Well, let me start with Stefani Fick, Head of Accountability at Outer, as we kick off Women's Month on Outer Hour. What has excited you about this lineup and the show tonight? I mean, you're not a journalist, Stefani Fick. You're a hardcore prosecutor, uh, and you're a hardcore advocate, uh, and, and, and you, didn't get, uh, you didn't have to apply for bail today like some other advocates in the country had to, uh, had to apply for. Uh, you are clean. And you are amazing, and people love you. So why did you get excited about journalists appearing on the show tonight? What got you, what got your, what put that smile on your face is what I want to know. Well, I think it's, it's the whole, you know, combating corruption thing. And I have to say, you know, while celebrating Women and Women's Month, although women should be celebrated through the whole year, I mean, it's, it's not just August, we just, we're very lucky that, you know, that in, in that we can, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> that we can celebrate, you know, you know, women. And I think women has played a very, very important part in, 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 in combating corruption. And, and that's what makes me excited to be surrounded by so many women that played a very, very important part in, in, in what we see happening in, in, in South Africa. We, you know, I think we sitting here, we all realize the effects that corruption has or had on our country. And, um, you know, to be in, 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 in this group of women, I mean, I can only take my hat off. Yes, um, you know, holding people to account is extremely important. And, and as a you know as a as a as a prosecutor advocate that was a very big part of what I did but being part of Alta being part of the team and being part of um, you know having so many supporters that support our, our fight against corruption um, you know if it was not 
for these brave women in 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 journalism i think you know would we still be you know trying to discover what happened with state capture and who are the people that were responsible mm. for for state capture so, you know as a woman i feel that um you know we as a as a team not just women but you know we celebrate women women today as a team we made sure that south africans um know um what happened and how do we make sure that it does not happen again in future and if 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 government if the politicians in this country is not going to make sure that people are held to account we will do it the relationship up for the, the relationship between journalists and politicians in South Africa is an interesting one, often seen as an adversarial uh, relationship or uh, full of conflict. Uh, but, it, but, but, but from your side, from a civil activist perspective, what role or important role do journalists play in the work that you do? And how does it influence the work you do or vice versa? Well, I think it's, in, in, you know, we, um, this so much to do out there um and um you know our, our our mandate is to to combat corruption but we can't do it all and i think that uh, you know it's sharing of information so we are very lucky that we have a good relationship with 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 journalists and 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 can share the information that they worked so hard in compiling and putting it out there and i do think that making some of the things public goes hand in hand with us trying to hold people to account you know by exposing um the corruption um is one step closer to you know forcing the powers that be whoever that is to hold people to account and that assists um the civil society in making sure you know what you're not getting away with this um we are extremely lucky at outer that we have supporters that support the work that we do but i really have to take my hat off to 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 um um you know the journos but you know especially the women in 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 this room for just keeping at it and 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 decided not to stay quiet and and, and making mm. known what what has happened and what is happening it sort of keeps us in the loop as to you know what is happening We'll, we'll talk about the challenges that the journalists who are on our show tonight face. We'll also um, get their input on our leaders' integrity, for example. What do they think about the integrity of countries' leaders and, and the status of freedom of speech and journalism in the country? But I know that our viewers wanted to know a little bit about the people who bring us these cutting-edge stories. So why don't we start, I'm not sure who to start with, because you've all got interesting lives and fantastic stories, but let's start with the first that I've got on my list, and that's Paulie van Veek from Scorpio and Daily Maverick. Paulie, uh, take us back to your early years. Where did you grow up? Who was the young Paulie van Veek, and when did the journalism bug bite? What made you go into this, in South Africa, difficult field? It's all about bad life choices, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the Free State uh, and I wanted to be um, an artist or a creative or I wanted to make interesting music videos at one stage and a painter and then I fell in love with, um, with travel writing and I decided that I would be a travel writer for the magazine Vach and Go. Mm -hmm. I am Afrikaans, so I wanted to write in this beautiful language of mine. And um, so predominantly then for Vach. Uh, and I remember in my honors year of when I was studying at Potterstrom, 
I, uh, I came to Cape Town to work at Vach for two weeks as part of my, my honours course. And one of the editors there told me that if you want to be the best um, uh, travel writer, you need to get some news gathering experience. My best, best journalists are news journalists. Okay. And I thought, okay, obviously I want to be the best travel writer. And uh, off I went to build to do a internship and my first three to five years. And in between that, my five-year plan derailed. Uh, I got sucked into the news cycle. I fell in love with it. And later on, I realized that I had a penchant for solving mysteries. I loved figuring out things. And, you know, I had a knack for a certain style of journalism. Um, and I grew into something completely different. Well, let's put the same question to uh, Sally Evans. Let's ask Sally to take us back to her childhood and, and her journey into journalism. Sally? Well, I'm probably um, nowhere near as exciting as Polly is. Um, safe to say that I'm also from the Free State, as you can hear. Um, I, mean, I sound very much like I'm from the Free State, but I actually am the daughter of a farmer. And I, my mother actually was a journalist um, at the Rand Daily Mail in the 70s. But I don't think, I, I used to think it was really cool, but I wanted to, I wasn't quite sure actually what I wanted to do. I think I also, I don't know if I wanted to write for, for about travel, but I certainly wanted to travel um, and kind of study drama. Fortunately, that also fell through because I don't think I was any good at that. And years went by and I, stay, I ended up in Joburg at, at Vitz. And then I did a, a snowboarding season in the States and I came back and I had like four months between the, when my master's in politics was going to start at Vitz and I had nothing to do. And I tried to find um, a couple of uh, jobs just to make some extra cash and then a friend of mine was working at the Times newspaper, which is, was the daily for the Sunday Times. And he was like, come and intern with us. I was like, okay, cool, awesome. And I was put on the entertainment reporting desk. And I was like, this is fab. Although it turns out I wasn't very good at entertainment reporting because I wasn't quite sure how to speak to Danny Kay. And it turns out actually I wasn't meant to speak to Danny <laughs> Kay. I was meant to speak to his dad. And then I was super confused and I just ended up um, really not uh, thriving at that. And anyway, I, yeah, they offered me a job and I was a hard news reporter. And yeah, I got sucked in, into the Celebi, Glenn Agliardi cases. And for some reason, got employed by Amabungani um, some time ago. And uh, love it so much and I've learned so much um, and I'm still there. Um, it's an incredible unit so I'm really, really lucky. We'll find out more about the work that you do in just a moment but let's complete the trio. Uh, Tabelo, do you make up the third of the Free Staters tonight or are you the exception to the Free State rule we have this evening? <laughs> I'm the exception but um, I'm, I'm adding to the small town um, girls, because I'm from Port okay. Elizabeth oh, in wow. the Eastern Cape. <laughs> yes. 
So, yeah, I grew up there. Um, I was born there, went to school there. I started my first job there. Um, journalism chose me, actually, because I also didn't know. Well, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, that was, like, my first love. And, unfortunately, my parents couldn't afford to to take me to university. So my second choice was to go to um, a Technicon, um, you know, uh, during those days. So, yeah, I went to Technicon and I said, well, I'll do marketing then or, you know, business related. Mm. And I did one of those um, tests where they, they test, you know, what you're good at. And, yeah, um, the test came out and said, you need to be a journalist. And then I went to another test. I went to write another test um, to get into the journalism program because apparently, like, you, you needed to have the passion for it. And I I knew um, most of the things, you know, that they asked me, you know. Um, so I was already reading newspapers. I already had opinions on current affairs. And that's like um, a love that my dad, um, you know, he impacted on me because he used to read newspapers and watch news every day. So that's how I fell into journalism. And then I studied at Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University um, until my master's degree. Went to work. Uh, went to work uh, for the Herald newspaper and Weekend Post. Um, I did municipality there, and then I got a little bit of investigations going on, but like on a smaller scale, politics. I moved to Joburg. I went to Agence France Presse, AFP, and then I joined um, Amapongani um, as a political party um, funding correspondent. Um, at that time, it was a one-year contract just trying to find out, you know, who's funding the political parties. Mm. And then that's where the investigative um, bug, yeah, really, like, <laughs> it took over. Let me go back to Paulie and ask you, Paulie, did you ever think you would get involved in writing about corruption and uncovering stories of corruption? How did that start? No, I never did. Um, you sort of grow into it. And something interesting you may not know is that Tabello and Sally actually trained me. They were part of the team that helped me to become um, what I am doing and am at the moment. So um, I have such high regard and and a lot of thanks to Amabi. Um, I was one of the Amabungani trainer trainees, if you will. They have this wonderful Africa program uh, where they select. Uh, journalists out of out of the continent, and then they train us to be proper investigative journalists. Um, when I grew up as a journalist, if you will, Sam Sol and Tabello and uh, Stefans and Craig McCune and Sally, and then also Susan Comrie. Susan wasn't um, at Amabi at the time, but she as well. So these people were my heroes, and I, I wanted to be one of the best journalists um, I think as you as you fall in love with the news, you actually fall in love with your country all over again, and you How sort so? of get your priorities rearranged. Uh, you you realize why you. I think you sort of realize why you're here and what your goal in life is, and your loyalty will then forever be the people of our country, um, and for the best you everything you do then um is for the best of our country so i've realized that investigative journalism um will offer me the chance to make an impact 
and to highlight the problems, some of the problems that we need to tackle. Um, and in the end, I try my best to help people to understand the space they live in um, so that they can make good life choices. Let's talk about corruption, uh, Tabelo, and the scourge of corruption in South Africa. Have you been surprised by the extent of corruption in South Africa? And what comments do you have regarding this fight against corruption that we are currently engaged in in South Africa? As an investigative journalist, I'm not surprised at all. Um, every time I think, you know, um, I, I, I've uncovered um, the West case, and then the next day, um, you know, the, a story comes, and then it just like blows you. I mean, it blows out. It blows your your mind, and mm. you like, but how can this happen? So um, the reason why I think it's important to to fight corruption or to be to to do what I do is because for me, as I, as I mentioned, that I, I grew up from a, a small town, so I understand exactly what corruption um, does. I understand the consequences. Um, you know, because it impacts me like personally as well. I'm also a mother. So my past is informing what I do and also my future is informing what I do. Yeah. And obviously like as a black woman, it informs the current status of what I do. So it impacts me um, on all levels. And um, it breaks my heart when, you know, um, the vulnerable or the poorest of the poorest uh, are affected by this. And, 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 and it just makes you want to, to, to fight. It's actually like a, a motivation as well. And the fact that only a few people benefit and society or our country is the one that, you know, is suffering the consequences. Mm. I mean, we want investments. We want, um, you know, economic growth. Uh, we want the rule of law. And that is not, it won't happen, you know, if, it, if, if there's corruption. And... It just, um, even if it's like a, a bribe or, or something, it's corruption. And I think that's why uh, we decided to, to do what we do. It's like, it's, it's our motivation. It's not plain sailing though, Sally, is it? Uh, I mean, you come in for a lot of criticism and take a lot of flack. W what do you think of the status of journalism in South Africa and, and freedom of speech? Well, yes, you're right. Some of us do, do take quite a lot of flack and that's, you know, I suppose in some ways it's affirmation that perhaps we are kind of knocking on the right doors um, and asking the, the right question. Mm. The more frustrated and angry people get, the, the, you know, you know, you're probably doing the right thing as a journalist. Um, I think as, I think actually funny enough, investigative journalism seems to have have grown a little bit in the last 10 years. Certainly, I'm a Bungani. We're becoming a fairly established, although quite young, in pure investigative unit. Um, whereas Poli mentioned, we've we've worked with and trained, um, I think, I, I don't want to say 100, maybe, but several, at least several dozen um, journalists, investigative journalists from Southern Africa and in South Africa. And News24 has got a uh, growing and stronger investigative unit. Daily Maverick now is Scorpio. Uh, Sunday Times has a unit. So I think in terms of the the investigative journalism clout in South Africa, I, I actually see it having become a bit stronger 
Um, but I think that, as we've seen, the rest of the world's media has been facing an onslaught of financial, you know, being undermined financially mm. um, pretty much since 2008 and the economic crisis and ads and, and those kinds of things that kept us newspapers going and being pulled and now trying to make money online and and saying to people pay for our content because we're giving you good you know what we're not good news but the news we're giving you is is um is is correct and factually right you can trust us Mm. and i think that people are struggling to trust the media as i Um, asked you that question yes as i asked you that question i was thinking of paulie and her run-ins with the eff leader julius malema who declared uh, who declared her and other journalists as 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 enemies of, of the eff and banned her some years back what, what talk about this relationship, if you will, Polly, uh, about the relationship between journalists and politicians. What kind of relationship do you have with politicians in South Africa? I'm speaking generally, not specifically. Gen- well, there isn't something like a generally. Uh, okay. We must remember that there are different types of journalists. You get um, general reporters, get political reporters, um, investigative journalists people with different skills and different ways of doing things. So it really is a um, maybe a culture of doing things and going about business um, in different sectors. I always thought that political journalists have a much better, cozier, uh, nicer, less adversarial maybe a relationship with politicians uh, because they need politicians to be good at their job. They need to receive information about the politicians and from the politicians to understand the country better and to explain the political machinations um, better. General general reporters will tell you what they see Hmm. um, and they don't necessarily need these people to be nice to them. And investigative journalists, most definitely not. Um, We have quite often... um, a relative adversarial relationship with with politicians, you know, not by choice, but the problem I think is, or maybe maybe one of the challenges of investigative journalism is, is that you you often make findings. You know, you don't you don't only report on what you see. You don't say there's a cat on the mat. You you. Um, you found out things about this cat and you um, you know what the color of this cat is, if you mm. will, you know. So there's, um, it, it, you you describe it better and more in depth and you, um, you, know, you, make, you make findings and politicians really like those findings about themselves, especially when they're corrupt. So it puts you, um, unfortunately, in a, in a more volatile relationship with them. Would you prefer that relationship was different or is it par for the course? You know, I'm thinking of uh, accusations of being uh, uh, Pravin Gordhan's proxies and that's been uh, bandied about in media, the Amu Bungani and uh, Daily Maverick journalists and working for white monopoly capital. How do you respond to that? Is it even necessary to respond to it as a journalist? No, most definitely not. Um, I keep my side clean and I know that I investigate um, everyone with the same vigor and the same rigor um, so it's not only about a certain type of 
person or a certain type of politician or even only politicians. We look at businessmen and businesswomen um, as well. So I get accused, um, as is Tabelo and, and Sally, and some of our other colleagues, um, we get accused by a different political groupings, by different business people. And I actually, um, uh, I choose that part rather. Um, if Sally, I think it was Sally that made this comment earlier on, but if you get accused from different people um, that stands at opposite sides of a political spectrum of each other, then you know that you're actually doing your job. Um, because you're getting accused of, you know, yeah. things on all sides. Yeah, I just like to add to that, just because I, you know, sitting, you know, Poli, I think especially, and and my colleague from Amabungani, Susan Comrie, just thinking of um, two two hardcore uh, female journalists who've been particularly um, attacked and abused and faced threats and harassment, certainly online and social media and, and what, having to watch it um, and see how people, kind of nameless people, anonymous people, sometimes mostly actually get away with the most vitriolic, inflammatory, mm. um, inappropriate, uh, slandering uh, comments, etc. And so I guess firstly, um, like Holly says, I mean, you maintain your integrity as a reporter, um, and you have to have a thick skin. But certainly when um, there are allegations and claims being made against an, a journalist or an organization like Amabungani, um, that um, where there are false claims being made, and certainly against our integrity and transparency as an organization, um, in those cases, we certainly um, will release a statement um, correcting and placing opposition on record. And I think it was the BLF who actually took them to court to get a restraining order um, against them. Uh, a few years ago, they charged into, well, some of their members charged into one of our town halls um, and they ended in a few fists flying and it was really scary. And so we went to court, I think, and actually, yeah, got took legal action. So I just feel that, you know, things you've got to kind of manage it too. So you've got to pick your, mm. pick your fights, your battles. Um, but it's, it's awful to watch um, the abuse that a lot of people get. Sally mentions the word integrity, and I'd like to ask uh, Tabelo, uh, let's, let's turn the spotlights uh, around uh, and away from journalists and onto the, our country's leaders. Uh, what are your comments on as far as integrity in, in South Africa's leadership is concerned? Are you impressed with our, our leaders and, and the integrity or, or lack of it that you, you, you come across? Oh, what a, um, uh, yeah, a lot of questions. Um, I've learned in my job there is no black and white. Um, there's, you know, there's multiple layers to, to, you know, to, to, to stuff. And actually, like, um, my understanding of um, integrity, if you look at like the dictionary, it says the quality of being honest and having a strong, uh, having a strong moral principle. And um, just by that definition, and then you attach it to some of the leaders um, that we see, and you can see that it's actually um, not there. You know, sometimes it, it, it feels like it's a, it's, a, it's a popularity context. Um, people don't actually look at this 
particular quality which you need in order to be a leader, to, in order to stand your ground and do what is right and not um, please everyone. So if you lack integrity um, as a leader, then, I mean, you fall for anything. And as we can see, um, decisions that are good for the country or be to benefit the country are not being made because some of the leaders, they lack the integrity. Um, we're not going in the direction that we want because um, when I say leaders, I mean, I, I would assume that you're speaking across, you know, the board um, sure. spectrum, not just Tishen uh, or whatever, even religious leaders, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say um, I'm not really impressed, but I wish that um, we as the public as well, we, we took that word and that quality and we really interrogated it, especially going for, um, we're talking about now the, the, the local elections coming up. Um, even when people are saying things, um, going through a lot of the country, um, there's like, uh, you know, racial divide, there's violence going on. Can we interrogate that quality mm. um, of integrity to the people that are making statements, to the people that are, you know, purporting to be leaders, whether they are leaders, because you can't be a leader without integrity. Never. Too true. We'll get to our viewers' questions in just a moment. I see them lining up and piling up in the comment section, but I really wanted to know about challenges that you may have faced or overcome on your journey in your work, particularly as, as women. Let's start with Polly. Any, any challenges that you'd highlight on, on this journey of yours, Polly? Uh, I think the threats to my sources, threats to whistleblowers, is definitely one of the, um, the biggest worries I have. Um, the social security, the security of my my communications with them, security of my laptop in my home, those things is something that we really guard um, and that we're constantly and consistently uh, worried about and um, aware of. So um, we take a lot of steps to ensure that we are safe in that regard. Um, journalists aren't much without their sources and their people. Yeah. Um, they really are the backbone of what we know. I also found it quite difficult to uh, to manage and to handle the new spate of social media attacks um, two to three years ago when it was new. Uh, I don't think that we've ever seen anything like it and mm. there was no guide for us to handle it and you know when somebody wish upon you things that you have never even had a thought about you know some people saying that you should be raped and hanged and um one person said you know sorry for the words but it must be said to explain it properly it's like you need to should be shot in the pussy and you know the, you're thinking what the hell <laughs> where does this come from and how can we be and maybe this is a bit um, maybe this is a point towards what Tabelo said is like, where's the leadership and where's the integrity and, and the moral fiber in our society? Yeah. You don't necessarily see that on social media. And that was quite a challenge to, to try and handle that and, and to um, put measures in to um, get yourself to manage that. And I think when you do, um, perhaps something sometimes breaks break in you and, or sometimes you just grow a very thick 
skin and grow stronger. But I've seen people move out of journalism because of it. Mm. So it really is a quite a challenge. So those are two, but obviously there's a, there's a lot. I'm we must have a thought for exactly how difficult this job is. Nothing yeah. easy about it. Well, let me ask Sally to add to that. Anything that you'd like to add, Sally? Well, I think, unfortunately, um, sex is used so often against women, um, people who identify as women, um, and it's just a really um, easy go-to um, by basically then suggesting that you're inferior um, and you, you're only good to, for sex. And um, it's... You know, it's just revolting. There's no accountability online. And I think, I, you know, I initially when I was started, you know, when I started reporting and then got into it much more deeply at Amabungani, I covered um, uh, criminal justice, uh, crime intelligence, police, underworld, um, that whole area. And I found that certainly there was huge amounts of attention on me being a woman when I met with sources or people and they would very openly flirt with me um, obviously not take me very seriously and it was just actually really tedious um, until I got the confidence so I was just like I actually don't need this um, you know you don't want to also you don't want to share your private life with people you yeah. don't want to know if you're in a relationship so, you know, I wouldn't want, so you also don't want to say I'm not, I'm not available and, I, you know, you, you know, don't use your information over me. Um, and so it's a power, it's a power relationship. And I think that as an individual, as a journalist, as a female um, working in, in industries where people will do the most revolting, um, ruthless things just to keep you quiet, I think that you've got to know your line um, and when to say, sure. actually, do you know what? This, I'm, I, I'm not playing that game. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Polly's right. I think there are really a lot of different kinds of um, abuses that people, like journalists feel. And yeah, we've, you know, we're fighting to prove ourselves. It's mm. still a very much a man's world. Mm. Um, and, and you know, as chicks are pretty smart, as you said, like, you know, we've cracked some big, big investigations. Damn right, yes. Um, so, yeah. Sabella, would you like to uh, add to that? Um, yes. So, yeah, I just remembered um, a trip that I did with Sally, I think it was in Kimberley, and we were speaking to, um, you know, um, sources and you know, the police, and one guy mentioned that, um, so it's just the two of you ladies, you know, driving around, you know, in a strange town, you must be really brave um, to do that, because already, you know, I, I was expecting you, because, you know, already people were, were talking, and then he was asking, how are you going to get home, you know, because you have to drive all the way to Joburg, and that was um, scary, and I've had some incidents where people will be um, concerned about my safety as well. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about later about my the, the story we did like in Friday, where I use I would use one road and people will be like, don't use that road because, you know, you are a woman and, you know, anything can happen to you. 
and also because of the movies that I did, um, I, I do for, for example, now I'm concentrating on, on, on local government. Um, previously, I have reported on um, mining companies and their relationship with traditional leadership, um, especially in the platinum belt, um, you know, like Rustenburg area. So there as well, um, you reminded quite, um, you know, easily and, and soon enough when you arrive there to speak to people, to traditional leaders that you must know your place. You know, someone would warn me that you must wear a skirt, you know, if you're going to, to meet um, a certain leader, you must address him in a certain way. But um, if you're going with a male, they would firstly acknowledge the male first and they would talk to the male. And sometimes the male is a photographer. So it's, so we will use you know, um, drivers or photographers as a shield mm. because, you know, the situation you're coming as a woman um, is a threat to you. And obviously the threat to my sources, I mean, that's like really close to my heart because I have, you know, um, incidences where I've lost sources, um, especially like at local, at a local um, level. We'll get to some of those stories in a moment, including uh, the Frida Derry and Gupta Leaks uh, stories. But um, I'd like to go to our viewers' questions. We've always got fantastic questions from the Outer Hour viewers. And I'll start with uh, Kara Rack, who's got a question for Polly, who says, uh, Polly, the great mystery question, why did Mabuza side with Ramaphosa? Do you know? <laughs> well, there's a lot of speculation, isn't there? Um, I I think it was uh, it was the right personal choice at the time, uh, and um, yeah, that's that's a very political, you know, balancing act mm. uh, that happened right there. So obviously, it was um, the ex most expedient choice as well for for Mabuza. Um and we'll have to see how that plays out. We know that. Um, there's no long-term loyalties in, in politics. Um, and I'm sure that we may see a different act coming out soon. Right. Lots of uh, complimentary comments on my screen this evening. Let's just go to some of those and let you know what uh, our viewers think of uh, the guests we've got this evening. And I'll go to... There's so many. Uh, let's go to Christina Kubik, who says, Salute to all the women activists. Corbus Buerta says, True heroes on screen. Claire Feldman says, Polly is phenomenal at exposing the corrupt. Her relentless pursuit of the truth is admirable. Christine Finnis says, Oh my word, Polly van Veik, which is what I did this morning when I saw the running order. I'm an avid reader of her articles. Great work, Polly. Uh, Christine Finnis says, Hello, Sally Evans. I love your work too. And I see that uh, Christine said, wow, Tabelo, all these awesome ladies tonight. I did promise you at the front of the show that we do have an awesome, awesome lineup of guests. Stefani says, round of applause for our journos. And uh, Ilza Salzwedel says, hello, Ilza. Ilza says, so nice to see fellow journalists on an outer hour. We're very excited. Thank you, Ilza. Nice to see you there. Nicola Jane Good says, uh, Joe Cocker will tell you to leave your hat on. I take my hat off to you. Uh, the three ladies on screen this evening. 
And uh, Dave Eckerold says, I think investigative journalists live in a very interesting part of the world, being in South Africa. We have serious crimes, political corruption, and corporate wrongdoings. Let's talk about corporate wrongdoings for a second, and let me ask Sally this question. Do you think the corporates have got off lightly uh, when it comes to fighting corruption in South Africa and what we've seen at the Zondo Commission, for example? We haven't seen too many corporates facing the fire. You don't... Oh yeah, so you don't you don't mean in terms of corporates fighting corruption? You mean in terms? I mean, it, mean corporates- in terms of corporates being complicit? Yes. Yes. Do you yeah. think they've got off lightly? Well, um, I have to be honest. I think Polly's your girl on this one. Um, she, you know, I think you've actually done did quite a good webinar not too long ago, Susan, um, discussing PwC, KPMG, and and mm. the like, and. I suppose it depends what your measurement is or the benchmark for sufficient justice is. Um, If it's to recognize and to admit that, yes, you were wrong um, and what you did was everything but saying that it was illegal so that you're not liable and you fired everyone and got a few new people and paid back some, some money, then they've probably been like really well held to account. Um, I guess the issue is it, it, there is good. There has been it, the commission, the, the media, the, the, so, you know, companies have been exposed. And I think that's really impressive. And I think there has been repercussions. I think big corporates have ste- stepped up um, and realized that they, they can't, you know, either they're trying to hide things in a better, more encrypted way, or they just don't trust anyone anymore, or they're open to the fact that they've got to play ball. But I think that, you know, corporates and politicians are, at the end of the day, what make the world go round. Yeah. Um, so I would ask Polly actually what she thinks. But yeah, for me, it, it, is anything ever enough? What's the benchmark? What would be enough if they were all closed down and in jail? I don't know. Mm, good question. Let me put it. Let me let me put it to to Polly. I'd love to hear the answer. Well, what is good enough for a politician, or what is good enough for us? If you um, are in transgression of a law, you need to be punished according to uh, whatever that law states. So if jail time is it, um, you need to you need to do some jail time. The problem is obviously with some of the financial laws that it's written so finely, so uh, precariously that um, one speaks not of necessarily fraud or theft when it is actually fraud or theft, but it's misappropriation of funds, for example. Um, and that is quite maddening and tiring. And maybe Stefani Fickle can tell you a lot about that um, in, you know, to, in terms of prosecuting something like that. Well, let me I'm ask... busy with a... Let me ask Stefani, uh, in the interest of time, because we are running out of time. I'm sorry to cut you, Polly, but let me ask Stefani to comment on that. As a, as a prosecutor, Stefani, is there a difference uh, or a big difference between prosecuting government officials and, and, and corporates? No, I think um, you, you, it's it's more difficult to go after um, um, corporates in 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 the private sector because who's going to complain? So yes, 
uh, 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 the, the CEO will complain when the secretary steals an enormous amount of money. But otherwise, you know, corporate uh, doing business with corporate, unless there's an enormous amount of money um, going um, um, amiss, uh, you tend to not have um, complainants. And then when you, um, when it's it's about corporate being part of corruption, um, your difficult choice because are we going to go after the person that owes us some loyalty? And I'm talking about a government official that is part, uh, you know, that's part and partial of 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 corruption. I would like to say that you know go after the government official, but corruption—that is what is so devastating about corruption—is always two parties, and that I think where um, um, corpor uh, co uh, corporates have let us down is the fact that they that you know when corruption started, they just made it worse and 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 didn't put it into it. So the the ethical behaviour. Of, of, of corporate is a problem. And I think that's where it's so difficult to, to prosecute, is that, um, you know, if you're a thief, a fraudster, whatever, yes, it's fraud, theft, um, we can prosecute and put you behind bars. Mm. But what do we do? And, and that, this is the same problem with politicians and everyone. It's the unethical behavior. And if I hear one more time that, you know what, we're going to excuse someone's behavior um, because, you know, everyone has got a right to, um, you are innocent until proven guilty. You are only innocent until proven guilty if you are an accused. But if you are, if there's unethical behaviour, there are still disciplinary steps that people can take. The fact that you may not be guilty um, of of theft doesn't mean you you can be a politician or a government official or the director of a company. It, unethical behaviour should also be punished. It, everything doesn't have to go to a criminal court. Yeah. But uh, unethical behaviour. Unlawful behavior needs to be punished in various other ways. Why didn't um, Saika, for example, hold to account the, the, the auditors that transgressed their rules? Why doesn't the, the Law Society or the Legal Practice Council, why don't they hold to account the, the attorneys and the advocates that, that transgresses their rules? So, yes, accountability is wider than just trying to squeeze mm. everything into but you are a fraudster or guilty of theft. Here's a, a comment from Christina and a question attached to it. Christina says, our investigative journalists have gathered so much forensic evidence through projects like Gupta Leaks. While it's not the media's role to prosecute the corrupt, is the NPA at least asking you for your data? Uh, Tabelo, do you, get do you get those requests and, and, and what do you do? Uh, with, um, I mean, Sally might be able to, to speak to this, but sure. um, personally, I have never been asked to to provide um, data from the from from the NPA. But I do what I do know is that our stories um, usually they are the starting point for the NPA. So we give them the direction in terms of asking the right questions or looking for the evidence, where to look um, for the evidence. But in terms of sharing um, data, um, there are issues as well. They like, um, you know, where you get the information from, like source protection and, and, and all of that. So there are ethical questions um, that will maybe prevent us for, um, sure. from, from sharing um, information. But we do provide um, direction and we are available, obviously, to, to, to guide um, where we have expertise, but um, not particularly to share that particular um, sure. yeah, information. 
Yeah, I mean, just to to pick up, and I think it is, it is, and it's because people. I mean, I have definitely with the um, state capture inquiry, I've been contacted um, for you know different because I mean the, the state capture inquiry is now like this massive. You know, it's this. And I was looking at um, some of our notes from the last few, however many years, and. Um, uh, Amma Bungani's managing partner, Sam Saul, sent us a sketch of the spire diagram, I think, in 2015. And it was just already, you know, the the, the spread and intertwinement of, you know, um, of all spheres of life were already just growing. Um, and so it wasn't it not just to do with the Guptas. What we try and do as investigative journalists, because we obviously do rely on a lot of data and a lot of um, documents, Information that we um, feel and our sources are comfortable with us sharing, um, we put everything online, um, and so everything that we can make public is 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 freely available on our website, um, and and we we attach them to our stories, and we have a, a thing called an evidence docket, really, so that it is a resource, um, to anyone, um, both you know, um, criminal attorneys prosecutors um you know so that everyone can have the same information that we have obviously yeah obviously depends on on sourcing and confidentiality i just um, want to jump in yes go for it because there's an important um, additional point i would say is that investigative journalists also investigate the hawks the police and the prosecuting authority and um if we you know, it's again, if you have too much of a cozy relationship with people in power, it will it'll always turn out badly because then you're not going to investigate them. Mm. So you, when asking that question, you must also, again, keep in mind what we actually do and how we go about our business. So I would rather um, um, explain it in the way that Tabello and Sally said, where we, our stories are enough. Our stories are the guidance and um, the documents that we add on the web, that is enough. But journalists cannot um, cannot cross a certain line and say, we yes. will even lay charges, because I hear that a lot. Why don't you go lay a charge against the person that you're writing about? Because that's not what we do. We cannot do it. Um, it's unethical of a journalist to do that. So we don't lay charges we are not judge and jury um, and executioner and investigator. You, we have a very specific job. I'm looking at I'm trying to squeeze one more question in before we move on to uh, the Freda Dairy story. Um, I'm going to go with this one um, from Bibi Bowman, who says, Will training citizen reporters be useful for taking this fight forward? Not without training and verification, of course. And I've heard this before, citizen journalism and getting people to report. Uh, is that feasible? Can, can, could you give Tom, who isn't a trained journalist, uh, a phone and, and, and tomorrow I'm exposing corruption and I, I'm, I'm a so-called journalist? Or is there a lot more to it than that? Anybody can respond to this question. Whoever's first. All right, Sally. That's <laughs> you. Yeah, I was I was making digital eye contact with Tabelo. 
<laughs> I was trying to stare at her through my screen. Tabella was probably the was as well as, Yeah, I think I I, th- I have to say I think that having Tabella open up and chat about her experiences is a serious treat, Tom. Um, mm. She probably just to, to put on the record one of the most incredible journalists I've worked with. Um, and she's yeah, she she's incredibly intuitive. Um, and and brave and thorough, um, and so as as a colleague and a friend, I would also say she's she's somewhat of a mentor in her in her bravery and and the way she approaches people, and engages with with sources. So, I mean, maybe a day with Tabelo, um, a citizen journalist. I mean. I, I think that they would probably stop wanting to be a citizen journalist sure. because of the amount of phone calls they'd have to make. And uh, are you still waiting for the response from this spokesperson? Yes. And this spokesperson? Yes. And this, no, they, they, they don't. They they're, uh, put me on hold. Okay. So at the end of the day, who did you get responses from? What are you going to write? No one responded. Mm. No one. No one. They said they got the, the questions, but they haven't responded. So, I guess I don't know. I think people can be citizen journalists, but I don't think that there will be they will necessarily be held to the same level um, as journalists who yeah. who you know have to abide by the and press that's, code. That's where the trouble comes in. Yeah. Code and Sanif. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Let's go to the Estina uh, story. And you, yourself and Tabella were the first journalists to go out to Freda and, and investigate uh, the corruption allegations. What, what did your early investigations on uh, into the Estina Dairy pro- Project reveal? Well, we so we weren't the, the, I mean, maybe from, I mean, I don't even know, from sort of non, non-free state journalists who went there. But I think that they were um, Foxblatt, um, I think Foxblatt wrote um, a piece and there were a couple of um, local um, uh, uh, papers that actually started putting two and two together and, and we picked up on this, which is why I think we decided to, to get down there. Um, and I mean, nothing beats on the ground face to face mm. knock what do, you, what do you call it like when we go and knock on doors um and uh you know no, people were really nervous to speak to us and i think also in freedom much as we felt in kimberley you know it really didn't take long for the entire surrounds of freedom and further to know that we were staying at this one hotel um like the only hotel actually in town um but we, you know, we managed to to make quite a lot of progress. But I think, yeah, Tabelo, maybe you can expand on that, Tabelo, so, and and also, if you don't mind, um, just uh, reference the NPA case that followed and any issues you may have had with the state's case. Okay, so yeah, once we've done our groundwork, um, then we we started reporting um, intensively on the Estina dairy farm and um, earlier on when this so we started publishing the stories so we found um, that you know there were no procurement processes that were that were followed um, we found like the black farmers didn't benefit 
um, the farm itself was badly run. The, the 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 department um the 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 precinct um department of agriculture just gave money without any monitoring or evaluation so there was no oversight they just gave a sinner the the the, the, the money yeah. and a sinner you will remember is the company that was linked to the guptas and initially the guptas denied that they were linked to this company and so our stories was limited um to say you know an associated company but we couldn't really make that um, firm, that, 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 that link firmly. It's only when the Gupta list came that we were able then to make you know, those, um, those links firmly between you know, Estina, the directors, um, were able to link even the MEC of Agriculture, um, Sobin Zizwane, in terms of benefiting from the Guptas as well. I mean, he went to India on, on a trip with his gospel choir. Um, you know, the son of Isma Khashoggi as well was working for the Guptas. And as you know, that the contract for the Istina Farm was drafted in his office by his legal, well, in by his legal um, office in the premier's office. He was premier at the time, so there was a lot that we un un uncovered with regards to that. And then, I mean, in terms of the NPA case, um, I I'm glad that it it's back on and it, it it looks like it's going ahead. So um, we just have to see. We, we just have to 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 see the the outcomes of that. And um, I, I just hope that yeah they've got their ducks in a row. They did their homework and um, this is the, the case is solid um, this time around. All the ticks are you know um, all the blocks are ticked. So we, we we wait and see. We wait and see. Wait and see. I mean we did the groundwork. We did the job. We you know uh, we, we we did the foundation. So it's up to them now to carry to carry on mm. um, and see this through and. Possibly, people might go to jail. Let me pose the final question to all three of our guests, and I'll include Stefania. She's not a guest; she's one of the family on the outer hour. But uh, let me let me ask you. Uh, start with you, Tabelo. As we say goodbye to you this evening, are, are you happy with the state capture in, inquiry? And what do you think needs to be done in the fight against corruption as we move forward as a country? Oh. Um, yeah. I'm happy that it, it is it's happening. Um, more information is 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 is, is coming forward. Um, as we can we, we we see, you know, um, there are people that are doing everything not to appear because they know um, mm. what kind of information and what kind of questions to answer to. So in, in in that sense, um, I'm happy that it's happening. I wish it was um faster. I wish what was um, happening there, the authorities are taking note and willing to act on it. So again, it's like waiting and seeking. Sally, Without are, it taking any more time. Sally, are we doing enough? Is there more to be done and, and where? Well, I certainly think since, um, you know, since the, you know, our first trip to Freda and certainly since the Gupta leaks, um, that a lot more has has been done. I think that the State Capture Commission of Inquiry really was, I mean, I, you know, it was quite a, an amazing thing to, to, you know, understand that this was really going to happen. And I do think, yes, there are some people who, you know, didn't want to appear and now they're unfortunately appearing in, in other jails, etc. So there is even some um, uh, accountability kind of 
flowing from from the the commission itself i have to say i think that it's yeah things i think it is an amazing thing i think is it enough um i think we are i think for for what this country has been through it's a damn good effort um yes the the dirty laundry is out you know can the can our justice system kind of take action and that's unfortunately also you know that's difficult and and um and one just has to hope that there is strength in those structures um despite the political difficulties to carry that forward but i i think that the impact of state capture and the revelations the hard court documentation the facts the truths that have been revealed you can't you can't doubt that sure. i mean i'm sure it's there's always there. more to yeah. do but i think it's it, i think it's been quite a, a good thing and and finally uh, Polly, uh, what do what do the rest of us do those of us who aren't investigative journalists uh, you know who who aren't prosecutors who don't work within the justice system we're not involved in the fight against corruption on a daily basis we average ordinary south african citizens what role do we play in 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 supporting this support this fight? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you fund your your favorite journalists i think you support journalism and you to stand up for um, for a free flow of information, um, for open and fair courts and hearings, and for the right to receive information. And um, in order to stand up for that, you must understand, you must uh, stand up for journalists and for the work that they do. Because ultimately, it's not about journalists, but it's about uh, your rights and the right to receive the information. Um, further to that, you don't pay the bribe to the traffic cop. You don't um, hustle and uh, bootleg alcohol, you know. So there are certain things in terms of a, a moral degeneration of the country um, that Sabelo and I and Sally already touched on before. But, you know, where are the leaders? Where are the ethics? Where, where are the people that really hold the moral high ground? And it begins with small things. It begins with doing the right thing, even when no one is looking and, and even when it's it's not expedient to do so. Uh, and that, that is a culture, I think, in our country that we need, really need to turn around. Um, and it's may, maybe, maybe it is something that we saw from the politicians when, you know, you can get away with all sorts of baiting and, yeah. um, and, and small transgressions and unethical um, behavior and criminal behavior, and then we think, well, whatever, what is there in a bribing a, a traffic cop? Um, so that is what what starts at home. Citizens. Hey? Mm. Mm. Stefani, uh, final comments from your side. We've shone the light on these amazing journalists this evening and the work that they've been doing. What would you like to add? I'd just like to say that I agree. I think the wheels of justice are, thank goodness, I think turning. It, it is turning a little bit slowly. And, um, you know, the State Capture Commission was a good start, but we need accountability. But what, I, what I, I'm, I'm starting to realize every day more and more is people need to understand the devastating effect of corruption. Um, it, it, it goes deep into the fiber of each and every um, um, South African 
African in, 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 in South Africa. It, it, it leads to the fact that we have problems building schools for our children, that, um, that the fact that we can't give water to all communities, the fact that, you know, all communities can't live in safety, um, that we have uh, problems with crime, that we have an enormous unemployment rate, and that we each and every one of us can play a part in combating corruption. You don't have to be a prosecutor. You don't have to be an advocate. You, you don't have to be a journalist. Let's take hands again, take back um, our power as civil society and realize that, you know, if the, 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 the politicians, government are there for us, if they are not going to act in our best interest, we need to make sure that they will know that they're not going to win this fight, mm. that, um, that we have the power and a civil society need to stand up again, stand together like we did and like we saw with the looting, um, is that we will not, this will not happen to, 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 to us. And, 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 and take our country back. They need to start working for us again, need to start working in our best interest. And that's where we leave it this evening. Um, I would like, at the end of the show, we've done it a few times before, and I think we should do it on this one. Uh, if you've got your heart button nearby, and in celebration of Women's Month, and these fantastic uh, journalists that we've had on the show tonight, and it in, includes Stefani Fick, who's had enough hearts fly across the screen for a lifetime. But for our ladies on the show tonight, it's been a, just an absolute privilege to be the thorn amongst the roses. So thank you for giving me a seat at the table tonight, ladies. And as you get your phone out tonight, perhaps uh, you'll just hit that heart button and we'll make a, a heart fountain, a tribute really, and, and a thank you to the amazing work that the journalists who've appeared on screen this evening and others uh, do on a daily basis. And as I'm looking at my phone, I'm very happy to report that the hearts are flying. Uh, across I the screen. I put a heart on my screen. Did you? Oh, you, oh there we go. Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, now we all want to. I wasn't sure if it was uh, appropriate. No, no, now we all want to know how to do that. Okay. Well, there are hearts flying all over the screen for the ladies who've been on air tonight. As you can see, that uh, the public truly uh, appreciate you. So, firstly, thank you very much. And uh, secondly, Paulie, have you finished your MBA yet? You, we've got a, a, a mutual friend in John Foster Pedley, and I believe you've been doing an MBA at Hed at Henley. Is it done yet? Checking up. Well, all my sins, I'm a student again. No, um, hopefully by the end of the program. <laughs> well, all the best to you. And uh, thank you to our guests this evening, Paulie van Veek from Scorpio and Daily Maverick, Tabelo Timze and Sally Evans from Amabungani. As they said, support your journalists. If you believe in the work that they do, support them. The business model in journalism and uh, media is changing, as you know, and a lot of this work can't be done without your support. I think that's the overriding message that I'll take away from this interview tonight. Well, I started the show by saying that uh, I was really excited. And let me explain, because I left the commercial talk radio environment about 13 years ago, long before the Estina uh, story came about, long before the Gupta leaks, long before the ladies that we have on screen tonight became household names. And for years, I've been kicking myself. I left too soon. I never got to say hello and interview Paulie van Veek. I never got to meet Tabelo Timzer. I never got to put questions to Sally Evans and tonight 
little dream of mine came true. So uh, thank you, Pauli, Tabello, and Sally, and of course, Stefani Fick for being on the show this evening. We end the show, as we do every week, with a wish from me to you, wherever you find yourself. And we did have Russia on board tonight. It wasn't the deputy president. It was one of our regular viewers. Uh, wherever you may find yourself, scattered around the world, scattlings of Africa, or inside our shores, sitting with a scarf around your neck tonight or in the warmer climes. I wish you seven days of happiness. In fact, I bless you now. Seven days of happiness, seven days of love, seven days of good health, and seven days until you meet us again for another hour to hour, 7 p.m. Wednesday night. It's a date. Don't be late. And I, I mean it. I miss you already. Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters.